In this episode of the Smart City Podcast, a podcast first, I interviewed two amazing people at the same time. Louise Mercer, who is the head of Everledger for Australia, New Zealand and Singapore, and Leanne Kemp, who is the founder and CEO of Everledger. You'll hear from both Louise and Leanne about how Everledger is a company concerned about prominence, so the origin and life cycle of high-value things. Louise and Leanne dive deep into explaining blockchain and how it works and what this has to do with diamonds and insurance. We also discuss some of the other smart tech they are exploring. Leanne also shares her deep belief that blockchain is the next generation of the internet. And Louise talks about the importance of preparing our future workforces for this new wave of technology. This was a really awesome chat and I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. It's the Smart City Podcast. Whoa, with smart city experts, here we go. Connecting smart technology, both big and small. Smart cities are making life better for all. Big data, emerging trends, self-driving cars and more. The Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Louise. How are you? Hi, Zoe. How are you? I am very well. Um, I'm hoping you're having a really great time wherever you are in the world today. Yeah, I'm in Sydney and it's, uh, it's a beautiful night. Awesome. Awesome. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you are passionate about? Sure. So, Louise Mercer, I'm, I'm head of uh, Everledger for Australia, New Zealand and Singapore, uh, and we are a company that is concerned about provenance. That means the origin and the life cycle of things, uh, particularly high value things. And we track and trace those using blockchain technology. Yeah. Wow. That sounds really awesome. Let's talk a little bit about the next question, which is what sparked your interest in this smart technology space? Well, I first encountered the CEO of of Everledger, Leanne Kemp, uh, when I was working in insurance and financial services. And what we could see, and this was way back in, say, 2012 or thereabouts, uh, was that blockchain represented something quite unusual and something unique, and that it had built within it um, a new a new way of thinking and a new way of organising. So we could see in insurance that uh, it represented a strategic risk uh, to the existing business model. That you could uh, codify the things that mattered to. Uh, insurance customers in such a way that you could self-execute a claim and you could pay out automatically. So I got interested in it um, from that and joined Everledger about a year ago and since then have really understood what's under the hood with blockchain and and more importantly, not just blockchain, a whole suite of emerging technology uh, infrastructure. So how could we convene that to start to solve for supply chain transparency and to solve for um, uh, parties who want to trust each other and want to exchange information with each other um, but may not always have um, the same footing or same basis on which to do that. Yeah, awesome. Well, it looks like Leanne's just joined us. Hi, Leanne. How are you? Good, good, good. Hi, Zoe. I'm sorry I'm a bit late. I'm connecting from Israel, so it was a challenge for a while there. No, that's awesome to hear. Thanks for um, yeah, pioneering on and, and connecting in. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and what you're passionate about? 
Um, I'm passionate about technology and I love building things and more importantly want to solve for real challenges within supply chains and, 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 and at, a greater, at a greater part of the, the spectrum even within the world. So Everledger began in 2015 and, of course, my background since the mid-'90s has been in track and trace technologies, RFID and web enhancing technologies. So the combination of my experiences and all of that together has given us the ability to give birth to the vision of what the next stage of transparency and trust might look like in a connected world. Um, so there you go. Awesome. Well, I'll let you ladies decide who wants to answer the next question, but um, can you explain a little bit about how blockchain works and how Everledger came to be? Yeah, sure. So I can do the first bit and Leanne, maybe you can do the second bit. So Blockchain is a distributed ledger technology, which means that um, rather than centralizing information in, say, a singular database, uh, you have a lot of participants who all have full copies of the ledger. Uh, so what that then means is you've got parties who can ensure that uh, information is correct. Uh, they can validate um, information, they can validate transactions. And so that means that you can, you can bring together an ecosystem of parties, say in a supply chain, where they may not know each other, uh, not well, or may not be able to trust each other and create an environment where they can uh, agree on, on certain facts. Yeah, cool. And Everledger began in April 2015. So we are aware that the diamond supply chain, um, the industry at large, is 500 years in the making. And certainly in the last 100 years, there's been a significant number of challenges that the industry has faced where current processes um, and current technologies are not able to solve for those challenges. And some of those challenges we speak about today in the market is at the very core of the mid-tier of the supply chain within the diamond industry is a $5 billion shortfall. Um, major banks, financial institutions are increasingly nervous about the trust and the mechanisms of trade that exist within the diamond industry. And, of course, we have the introduction of synthetic stones. And synthetic diamonds, they've certainly been a class of gemstone that have existed for quite some time, but they've typically been used for industrial purposes, blade saws and drill bits. But within the last decade, enhancements within scientific methods has enabled synthetic stones to be manufactured at gem quality standards. And so what we're seeing is parts of undisclosed synthetic diamonds peppering in and out of the supply chain. So effectively, natural stones are being swapped with synthetic stones. And this is causing a whole bunch of concern within industry, not only from a perspective of disclosure, but also when you think about a bank or a financial institution, they want to be sure that they know the physical object, its identity, who traded it, and of course, who owns it. Um, and when you combine the challenges of a lack of transparency and the concerns with synthetics, uh, we're able to help solve for those problems with layering of technology, not only just blockchain, but some of our other technical disciplines like machine vision. We can apply smart contracts for real-time settlement. Um, and then, of course, a cognitive layer. So how do we bring an intelligence layer to the blockchain to help to solve for an intelligent and an ethical supply chain? Yeah, awesome. So... I want to talk a little, I mean, this is the Smart City podcast and I know you, you guys are experts in your field, um, and not particular, not necessarily the uh, Smart City overall, but I want to talk about how you think blockchain 
um, and your application of it fits into the smart city space. Louise, you might want to talk about that, particularly the work we're doing inside of local councils and what that might mean from a risk perspective. Yeah, sure. So uh, there's a couple of uh, different um, angles in Australia. So uh, so with um, with local councils, they have a number of obligations to meet um, in terms of the um, the assets to manage uh, the infrastructure, etc., which is often high cost, and um, and the maintenance of compliance um, and the uh, the various uh, upkeep um, and um, uh, repairs, etc., that are that are necessary for that kind of infrastructure. So um, we are in 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 uh, conversations and advancing. Um, how is it that we can help take care of of some of that complexity and how can we then evidence uh, for highly regulated entities um, that they are meeting their compliance obligations and standards with respect to that upkeep? And that flows into insurance, uh, which is, you know, how can you then demonstrate good risk management that then has an impact hopefully downward on your premiums and certainly um, results in, in fewer claims and therefore people uh, being hurt or injured or, or loss being experienced. Uh, and equally that flows into the finance arena, which is, um, you know, how can uh, banks and um, uh, financiers be confident about uh, the management of the underlying asset? So that's really important for councils. And I also um, have uh, another group in Australia that is really interested in thinking through the digital built environment and how can you take what is um you know, large amounts of infrastructure uh, that is, uh, and and the town planning activity, and help to um, mirror that in a digital built environment uh, that can be navigated by multiple parties, so that that planning uh, doesn't just stop uh, at you know the particular surveying limits, but actually understands um, the interoperability and. Um, uh, you know, what sits beneath the ground in terms of pipes being laid, what sits um, above the ground in terms of um, the flow and the experience for people so that whether it's a, a construction company, whether it's um, uh, a developer, uh, whether it's uh, the council, again, who's trying to approve the plans, um, there's a more robust sense of what environment is being created, what kind of footprint is created and experiencing that from a digital perspective before uh, obviously approving plans and, and having that appear in the physical landscape. Yeah, cool. So I know we talked a little bit about um, smart contracts when we were um, discussing this interview. Can you talk a little bit more about how that how that works? So smart contracts is a construct that really sits within a form to enable uh, a set of known inputs with a set of logic to then execute upon a contract. So smart contracts are neither smart and nor are they a contract by terms of, you know, um, legal stance. But what it does do is it sits as a part of blockchain architecture or infrastructure that enables the automation of events to occur. And so what we are seeing in the space is the use of smart contracts in ways to um, underpin the simple process of change of title, proof of ownership, promise to pay, and the triggering of those events that will all come together. We're seeing smart contracts being employed in an insurance sense that could actually um, enable automatic claim settlement. So a prime example of that could be a flight is being delayed. I have an insurance cover. It would take in a set of parametric data, so it would know that the flight has been delayed by a certain number of hours, and the payment is automatically triggered against the terms of the physical contract and the money will certainly appear within a digital wallet. 
in, uh, in, in the consumer's hand within, within a matter of seconds. So the contract, the contract layering that exists, and certainly when you think about the common law constructs, can actually be transposed from physical wording into what we call pseudocode and then, of course, into actual executable code. Um, and we're starting to see now um, certain types of use cases emerge where we can invoke physical settlement without the course or the need for human interaction. And that's really where I think smart contracts will make some form of co-evolution or some type of uh, evolution of, of the thinking in terms of the legal frameworks. Yeah, definitely. So with Everledger, are there any other applications of blockchain that you're currently looking at? Yeah, I think there's there's two key ones, Zoe. So uh, you know what we are, what we're really known for, and the work that we do um, in terms of capturing an object's provenance on the chain is is one key aspect. So, can you identify the forensics of an object? Can you um, identify it for us? You know, diamonds and precious gems and jewelry, etc., um, from mine to market. You know, can we evidence its chain of custody and its life cycle? Uh, and and can we also um, evidence the documentation that flows through with it, various certificates of exchange, um, you know, through to certificates of authenticity? So, you know, in that case study, you can take that and replicate that into other contexts, but ultimately you're looking after the object and you're using blockchain uh, to manage that. I think the second one is that you can use blockchain to um, log and keep track of um, uh, events, and so that might be uh, that you've got parties uh, take that digital built environment that I was talking about earlier. You know, there's there's a significant amount of information in there which is both useful for development, uh, but also in the in the wrong hands um, could be uh, could be worrying in terms of um, security and safety. So how can you create um, infrastructure that is really governed well with cryptography, uh, that is uh, creating a, a secure and underlying um, infrastructure to help. Uh, you know, govern uh, or bring a, bring effect to good governance about who should access what information and when and keep a log of that. And that's another key piece of the work we're doing. Yeah, awesome. No, it sounds all very, very cool. And I'm so glad that um, you came onto the podcast today because I'm really interested in learning more. So I've learned heaps already. Um, I just want to talk a little bit. I think we've already discussed this a lot, but what the potential for blockchain is and like related technologies in this smart city space. Like, do you see this kind of revolutionizing the way that we do um, insurance, for example? So I might sort of talk to that. So certainly blockchain and its core constructs is next generation internet technology. So the question you ask about where does blockchain sit in the world or, or in the context of smart cities um, you know, it, the same question could or should have been asked in the late or mid-90s uh, around the internet itself. So when you consider 1989 was an incredible year for the world where Tim Berners-Lee created HTTP, which is the hypertext protocol that effectively enabled two computers to talk together and, of course, the internet or the World Wide Web was born on top of that construct. And then we had another innovation in a protocol level called SMTP, and, of course, SMTP enabled the application, which we use today, called email. Um, and when we, when we really sort of deconstruct um, the, 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 the core sets of technology within blockchain, it really boils down to three, three sentimental essence. And so one, of course, is database um, 
you know, this construction of a database in a distributed form, the ability under consensus to be able to agree within multiple parties across the uh, across a protocol that that transaction occurred, and then cryptography. So cryptography to enable the privacy-preserving mechanisms of data. So it's very clear that I believe what we are doing now in the world is we are moving from what we once knew was the World Wide Web to the World Wide Ledger. So blockchain will become as digitally ubiquitous as HTTP or SMTP is today. We're not talking about those protocols of importance and nor are we talking about things like browsers and even email as applications and the blockchain within the next three to five years will become a non-topic of discussion. This will be baked into some form of interactive business network technologies. Um, and where that is applied, effectively it's applied wherever the internet's applied. So that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, because it's not like we go, oh, yeah, let's talk about the potential of the internet right now. We've, we've, we've had that discussion and it's just ubiquitous. It's like smartphones, I suppose. It's just assumed that everyone has a smartphone and is using it to its you know full capability. So, yeah, no, I'm really excited about that. That sounds, um, yeah, like ch- changing times ahead will be, um, yeah, really exciting. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about integration um, across different disciplines. I I imagine, um, I'm assuming here, that um, for you to create Everledger, there was a lot of um, conversations and and um, cross-disciplinary kind of um, um, meetings and things that had to happen for you to kind of uh, get up and running. And then that not everyone has been, you know, welcoming with open arms and that kind of thing. Um, How did you kind of deal with that integration piece across different industries? Well, Mara, I can talk about what we did within the diamond industry. So if you bake back the the core essence of blockchain, you know, as I've spoke about before with cryptography being one layer and then consensus being another, and we look at the human system that currently exists within the diamond industry, um, it's really quite interesting when you start to parallel both a digital form of that um, as well as the human system, which effectively is the Kimberley process, we can transpose already human elements of consensus of which 81 countries have joined, of which there is some voting mechanism to enable a consensus on, on a record of truth. Um, but the issue is that within the diamond industry, they've been, you know, the, 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 the systems, the methodology, the approach is still stone and tablet type approach to industry. So we were able to not necessarily unwind legacy we could just purely translate it from a form of uh, of a human system into a digital system. So there was an, an easy an easy transformation effort to be able to convince industry at large, particularly on the tail end of the fact that there are many challenges that can't be solved with um, you know a chip of paper and a promise to pay. Other industries are a little bit more challenged, where the, they don't necessarily. Um, have a mechanism uh, upon which they have a human system of consensus or a human system of rigidity. So those industries are a little bit more challenging. But like every new and emerging technology, there is a set, you know, a, a deep construct of education that's needed and a deep construct of uh, experimental activity uh, and then, of course, pilots and testing. And now we're moving into a production sense in quite a rapid, a rapid way. Um, so again, I don't think that this technology potentially is easily suited to implementation in some industries, but in other industries, it's the right timing for its for its adoption. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so 
the last question I have, well, the second last question I have is about the emerging trends. Um, and the ones I want to talk about are the ones that people aren't talking about. So have you got any thoughts on that? Oh, look, I think there's a lot of trends that are being discussed uh, and that doesn't make them less meaningful. Um, so, for instance, if I think about uh, within blockchain space, um, you know, it, it's begging uh, a new way of thinking about governance, a new way of thinking about um, how parties who might to date have been competitors and really locked down behind um, big walls from each other um, actually get in the same room together, you know, with their regulators and negotiate how they work together. And to me, that's um, that's a paradigm shift. It's, you know, it, it's occurred in some ways in the past and you see, you know, the, the rise of industry associations, etc. But I think what we're, it's, it's, this is a new form of it because you're starting to create the means by which uh, industries and competitive parties, etc., can actually work together quite harmoniously and quite collaboratively for the betterment of their industry, for the betterment of uh, customer outcomes and for the betterment of the way they can evidence their compliance uh, with regulation. So I think that's a very interesting one. And the other one that I think is spoken about a lot but it doesn't detract from its meaningfulness is the uh, the new role um, that blockchain and other emerging technologies and I would bring into frame machine learning and artificial intelligence um, and um you know, sensor technology, et cetera, and, and just general um, purposing towards automation, what that does to uh, to our workforce and to um, the transformative nature it will um, bring to jobs. So, you know, it's very easy when you're looking at technology to see what jobs will be displaced and what won't be here, uh, say, in 10 years. Uh, it's less easy to see how humans and this emerging technology work collaboratively uh, and symbiotically together and what new jobs will be created. I think the the, the big challenge is uh, how we help our workforces uh, make that transition and how we help equip people uh, to, you know, be ready um, for a new, with a new skill set uh, and a new way of, of thinking and operating so that um, they can embrace uh, the technology that's coming through and really, you know, repurpose it for what might be quite significant um, economic um, evolution. Leanne's already talked about the the next wave of the internet and, uh, you know, the transactional superhighway that uh, blockchain makes possible. Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, thanks so much, ladies, for coming on the podcast. I've learned so much in, you know, just this short time and I'm really keen to talk to you both again um, in the near future. I really only have one last question now, which is how can people connect with you? Yeah, it's easy. Uh our Twitter handle is uh, at Everledger.io, so E-V-E-R-L-E-D-G-E-R-I-O, uh, and uh, we're active on that. You can also reach uh, me at Louise at Everledger.io and Leanne at Leanne at Everledger.io. And I guess stalking us on LinkedIn is yeah. another really good way to connect with us too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why I do most of my connections, stalking on LinkedIn. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, I was glad we got time to connect. Happy days. Thanks, Zoe. It's the Smart City Podcast. Whoa. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart City Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at the Smart City Podcast.